0: This is the Denver Gazette Sports Podcast, and I'm your host, Chris Schmedecki. It's Friday, so we're talking football on the college side with Tyler King and Broncos with Paul Klee. Stay tuned. We are joined by a college football reporter and notable Phillies fan, Tyler King. Tyler, how are we doing?
1: Um, I'm pretty good for now. Check in with me um, at about 6 o'clock Mountain Time. To see how Game Three against the Braves went, I'll let you know how I'm doing. Then um, we'll see. I'll be I'll be in Boulder tomorrow for tomorrow for a variety of things. So we'll see how my mood is while I'm covering covering the game tomorrow. So yeah,
0: for sure. So let's uh, let's talk about mood and the mood around CU. Uh, last time we talked was when Carl Durrell was let go, and now Mike Sanford is taken over as the interim coach. Uh, you did a story you know during this bye week for them how's how's the vibe
1: up there now it's it's good I think it's a lot different um you know I kind of described it I was talking with some other people on the, on the CU beat um last week and I was just saying I mean when Mike Sanford comes into the press conference you know the, it's just not the same as when Carl Durrell would come in I described it as like when Carl Durrell would walk into the press conference room you know at about near close to one o'clock on on Mondays everybody in in the room would kind of just get quiet sit up straight kind of like I described it as like you know when he had a really strict teacher in high school and they'd walk in the room and everybody would kind of stop stop goofing around and start really just like sit up straight and just shut up that was kind of how um how it was with Darrell and Sanford is just different I mean people are laughing in, in the press conference um you know his wife is in there all the time and it's just a different environment even practice this week it's Music is blaring. Coaches are sprinting up and down the field, just yelling and, you know, bringing a ton more energy. And it's not like you see your practices were dead and without energy before, but it just has a different kind of feel to it than than it did before. And, uh, you know, I don't know if it'll lead to any wins, but, you know, it just feels a lot different. And that's definitely a welcome sign for this team that's looked dead at least on Saturdays for the entire season.
0: Yeah, that was always Durrell's vibe in my mind. He was kind of the the strict teacher like Yeah, he seemed like he ran a pretty tight ship. Now, like you said, I don't know if it translates to wins, but do you, do you think the players had any problem with Carl Durrell cuz you never really heard about that? I mean, there's a lot of No, transfers. I don't
1: think so. No, I don't I don't think so. Um, you know, there were some things Durrell could have done a lot differently in terms of personnel standpoint um yeah obviously there's some a lot of high profile transfers that left the program um after last season but I don't think Darrell was disliked at all by the players I mean obviously in the public they're going to say that they respect him and they appreciate everything bringing him the coaches and players respect him and uh, for bringing um, them into Boulder um but I don't I don't think Darrell was disliked at all I mean yeah it was he did run it like an NFL program which is had been the majority of his his experience the last 15 years. He'd been mainly just a position coach in the NFL after his time at UCLA came to an end in 07. So, um, yeah, it, it was it was kind of like a, a strict program. It wasn't like a lot of what you see from college programs with the energy, the high energy in terms of the music blaring, coaches running up and down, just trying to create as much energy as possible. That really wasn't what it was like under Darrell. So I think this is definitely different and fits more of – what these players especially for a young roster that just needs the energy on a daily basis from the coaching staff
0: so they play, uh cal comes to boulder tomorrow uh owen mccown well, this will this be his third start correct
1: yep third start in a row Yep, third start
0: so you know he's probably playing the rest of the season unless he gets hurt um what do you know about cal they're three and two you know they just lost 28 to nine to washington state so their offense is kind of middle of the pack what do you see from them
1: yeah, they're a decent team. Um, they beat Arizona earlier this year, who just blew the doors off CU two weeks ago. So uh, I think is a pretty good team. They've got a really good, true freshman running back named Jaden Ott, who's averaging 106 rushing yards per game. He's also got you know five touchdowns in five games. So he's really going to be someone that CU is going to have to watch for. And they haven't been able to stop any really good running back at all this season, whether it's Zach Charbonnet at UCLA, um, Mo Ibrahim at, at Minnesota you know, Brad Roberts, Air Force, you know, TCU's various running backs. I mean, they faced a lot of really good running and rushing attacks so far this season, and they haven't been able to stop any of them. So that's really what I think is going to be the key in this one is, you know, does new defensive coordinator, Gerald Chapman, because we, like we mentioned, we talked about Carl Durrell getting fired, but, you know, defensive coordinator, Chris Wilson was also let go that day. Yeah. Um, so now Gerald Chapman, it's his first time as a coordinator, um, but he is really, really fiery. I mean, I noticed that in the preseason when I'm at these open scrimmages and he is cursing on the field and yelling <laughs> up and down and it was it was it was eye opening to see it, in a good way I think just the energy he brought in his first year at a program he's definitely very confident he comes from that um, Ed Orgeron coaching tree so he's definitely got uh, that going for him um, so yeah I think it'll be it'll be interesting to see if there's anything different scheme wise from the CU defense in terms of trying to stop the run um because it is gonna be another difficult day because Cal's quarterback uh, Jack Plummer he's a Purdue transfer he's kind of a game manager kind of he'll take what uh they'll take what the d- defense gives him kind of like what they saw from Minnesota although Minnesota's quarterback didn't need to do Tanner Morgan didn't need to do anything in that game. Yeah. All they had to do was run the ball and they could get fifteen yards of carry basically and I'm not even exaggerating. Um so we'll see we'll see what CU does differently defensively if they can stop this rushing attack that Cal has, because it, it is pretty good.
0: Do you think we'll see anything different on offense now? No, them? I don't
1: think so. Um, I think we talked with new – Clay Patterson was a tight ends coach, got elevated to offensive coordinator with Sanford going from OC to head coach. Uh, I still think Sanford is, is going to have a huge part in the offense. I don't think it's going to be uh, much different. Him and Patterson, they have a good relationship anyway. They work together at Minnesota the last couple of years. So I think we'll see pretty much the same. What Stanford or what? Excuse me. What Patterson was talking about last week when we talked to him for the first time since his promotion was just they need to stay on track and be able to get to more of their stuff. They just haven't been able to be on the field long enough to get to all of the plays that they want to get to throughout a game. They've just been you know going three and out things like that and just not being on the field enough to, to get to their entire repertoire on offense. And I think that's something if they are are able to kind of sustain drives and McCown who I think has played pretty well in his first two games um, is able to kind of lead some offensive drives. We could see some more stuff, but it's not anything new that they've put in uh, over the last two weeks. It's just stuff that they haven't been able to get to yet this season. All right. So let's switch gears over to CSU
0: who got their first win last week without an offensive touchdown. They won 17 to 14 against Nevada. Um, they're welcoming uh wait are they are Utah they home? State Utah State yes they
1: have Utah State at home tomorrow I'll be Dude. in Boulder um I won't that's be right. at that game but um they they both teams will so both CSU and CSU are home tomorrow that's right so Utah State who
0: actually just beat Air Force but this is a down Utah State team uh, they're two and four uh, CSU starting their third different quarterback because of injuries uh, what do you see from this one
1: yeah so Utah State um, obviously Mountain West champions last season had a really good year. Uh, but this year, it's like you said, they're two and four and I haven't had a great of a season, but I don't think they're a team that, I mean, CSU can't really afford to take anyone lightly, but yeah. I mean, it's, I don't take this Utah State um, for what their record is at two and four. I think they're a better team than that. Obviously they played Alabama, which is obviously a loss, but yeah, they beat Air Force last week uh, in impressive fashion. Uh, I mean, anybody that can kind of really out, out physical Air Force is, is impressive. Yeah, You know, they have they're on their backup quarterback, but it's a guy who played in the bowl game last year and, and has played pretty well. And, and for CSU, I mean, that was the best defensive performance they've had by far all season. Last week at Nevada, they had, you know, a pick six and then a fumble recovery for a touchdown. And it was the the Nevada player was getting tackled and weirdly tried to pitch the ball and he pitched it right to a CSU player. who ran it back for a touchdown and then they kicked the game winning field goal. So You know, it was a weird game Friday night in Reno, um, you know, a lot of emotions on the field, especially given it was Norvell's first trip back to Nevada after leaving them for CSU in the offseason. So there was a lot of talk on the Nevada side heading into the game, and now there's been plenty of talk from the CSU side after the game. Um, So that was kind of an emotional game. We'll see if CSU can kind of carry that overall. Obviously, they've got Giles Pooler starting, um, who's the third starting quarterback of the season, uh, like you mentioned. Uh, Clay Millen, who's the number one, is going to be out for another week. It seems like you know, he got hurt; he got banged up in this, against Sacramento State last month. Uh, and then Braden Fowler, Nicolosi played last week, got banged up a little bit. Didn't come out of the game at all. But they're just trying to give him a week to kind of rest a little bit. He'll be available if needed, but they're going to give Pooler a chance. And Norvell said early in the season, or before the season started, and he said it, reiterated again this week that he expected a lot of these quarter, all these quarterbacks to play at some point this season. Um, I mean, the offensive line play has been really bad. So that 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 is true, and now we're getting to see the third one.
0: Yeah, you know, dude, um We keep you know the air raid was what Norvell brought, but they really haven't been that good on offense. You think it's the players? It's the you know their their quarterback is you know rotated all over the place.
1: Offensive lines bad. They're not scoring a ton of points yet. No, it's personnel. I think the offensive line. I wrote about in my preview today. Uh, for tomorrow's game that they're finally going to have it's, – so it's, they're going to be their sixth game of the season. They're finally going to have their first game – second straight game with the same offensive line combination, which is just really astonishing to think about. I mean, they've played six games. This is the first time it's going to be the same offensive line for uh, in a row. So I think they've only given up three sacks in the last two games, which is promising – uh, and they and they ran the ball pretty well against Nevada. Avery Morrow had a pretty good game, was getting on some chunk yards. But, yeah, I, this is not the offense that Norvell, uh, Matt Mummy, the offensive coordinator, they want to run. This is not – they just don't have the personnel. They had some pretty good wide receivers coming into the season. They've had multiple of them leave. Three of the top four receivers have left. Um, and now you're starting Torrey Harden, who's really good, and two freshmen. So I just think it's going to take some time for them to get to the offense they want 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 to run. This is just – this is not it. I mean –
2: they're huddling.
1: They're they're not, you know, running a, a high tempo offense like they really want to run. So it's just going to be look a lot different going forward at CSU than it is this season. It's just a transition year, and we've talked about that yeah. a, pl- a lot. And and that's just what it's going to be for the rest of the year. They just don't have the personnel. And you know, Jay Norvell said this week they have to get better players in the program. They, they have to get better players, more talented players, yep. but also players that want to be there and buy into what they're trying to do because they haven't had that at all this year they thought they did but you know they've had a, a, at least a dozen guys leave the program through the first couple games of the season and that's probably over just given the fact that you know there's that redshirt rule where if you play four games or less you can sit it out and now that most guys have played five games it'll probably stop but you know that's just what it is when you're in your first year at a program it's just kind of it's been especially in a program like CSU that's had a lot of bad football be played there over the last couple of years. So it's going to take some time. Well, yeah, when I was reading through your preview, I had forgotten
0: about the Utah state game last year where they didn't spike the ball and just ran out. I
1: I forgot about that game too. Until, (laughs) until yesterday, when I started writing my preview for, when I started previewing the game, I was like, Oh my God, I forgot about that crazy game where they were down by two in the last minute. They go 61 yards really quickly. They get a first down to the 23 and instead of spiking the ball, they just, the clock has stopped obviously because they picked up a first down before. And so the chains need to be reset. Um, It was a long first down. So it was going to take a while. And instead of just spiking the ball and there would have been 11 seconds left, could have even run another play. They just run the the kicking unit on the field. There's confusion, offensive lineman running on and off the field. Um, And then the clock starts and the kick goes up with like six seconds left. and it goes wide left. And it's just like, and you look at Steve Adagio on the sideline, just, like, dumbfounded. Looking around, he's like, what happened? What happened? And yeah. everybody is just, like, had no idea what happened on the CSU sideline. So, that was a wild game. And that would have been a really good win for CSU last yeah. year, actually, against a really good Utah State team. Um, that would have kept them from winning the Not Much Championship. So, um, yeah, definitely, definitely a wild one last year in Logan. And maybe we'll get a wild one in Fort Collins tomorrow, but we'll see. I think
0: uh, Adazio looking confused was the was the image of his whole era up there in Fort Collins. But anyway, uh, so what do you got? Definitely. What do you got for this week? Do we have? Uh, could we possibly have two winners in college football in Colorado?
1: I don't. I wouldn't get my hopes up with that. I think one would be nice for either CU or CSU to win. Um, I don't. I don't think either team's going to win. But I think CU is going to be interesting. Where I'll be tomorrow, just seeing what it's going to be like. I've heard it's going to be a really good crowd. I've heard. It's family weekend. It's family, weekend um, yeah. family weekend in Boulder. So I've heard it's going to be a sellout, if close to something. So we'll see what that does. I mean, last time out, the student section right behind the CU bench was standing fire Carl in the first quarter of the game. Yeah. So it's going to be a little bit different. I think people are going to be excited. I think people are looking forward to seeing another game of Owen McCown just because he has been pretty good so far. And we'll see if they have this really good group of running backs. I think they just need to get more involved. Deion Smith. And that doesn't even include Alex Fontenot who's been out for the last couple weeks. I mean, Deion Smith has been really good. Um, Charlie offered all had a big screen, a uh, big gain on the screen last week. And this freshman, true freshman, Anthony Hankerson, I think is yeah. going to be a really, really good player. Um, he led the team in carries against Arizona. got his first touchdown. Um, you know, he got banged up in, in training camp and missed the first four, uh, four games. Yeah. Um, No, excuse me, three games, and then made his debut against UCLA and played against Arizona as well, and it looked really good. I think he's a good, between the tackles runner, uh, physical runner for a true freshman, and he's somebody I think they should really look to get involved often uh, tomorrow, and and the rest of the running backs as well, because I think that is their most dangerous group of offensive weapons. So you think, uh, what's your prediction for CSU. Uh, CSU, I, I think Utah state's going to win. I think that even though that CSU offense or defense played well against Nevada, I just think Utah state's going to be able to put up some points. I'm, I'm going to go 31, 13 Utah state. I just don't oh, think wow. CSU is going to be able to score that much with a third string quarterback in there. Yeah. And the, and the offensive line play, even though they do have finally have some continuity has not been very good. And then, you know, I'll flip over to CU right away. Um, I think it's going to be a close game. I do think CU has a chance to win. I'm actually going to pick CU to win. I think it's going to – I'm going uh, 26-23 CU. All right. Yeah, first time. I, I didn't <laughs> think I would pick – I didn't think I'd pick CU to win until Arizona State later this month. Uh, But even they're playing a little bit better under their interim head coach. So – but I do think CU – so I'll go 26-23 CU. I think it'll be a fun game. I think it'll be – I do think it'll be pretty competitive. And I and I do think CU will just have that boost playing under interim coach and trying to get that, that first win of the season and try to be – Not there. I'm right now. They're the only team in major college football without a win, so they would like to not be that anymore.
0: I'm sure they'd like to stop being number one in the bottom ten on ESPN. I'm sure they. I mean,
1: they still maybe
0: even if they win, but they'd probably. like to
1: Well, CU and CSU are both in the bottom five of just about everybody's Division One power rankings. The if you look at anybody that does a one through one thirty one, whoever has the time for that. Wow. um, (laughs) CU and CSU will be in the bottom five of every one of those lists, I guarantee it, because that's just how bad they are.
0: So nationally, it's a pretty good week. College football, of course. Led Great by week. Great Alabama, week
1: Tennessee. Uh, what what else you got? What else to watch? So there's two top ten games this week, which is awesome. Um, my alma mater, Penn State, is actually yeah. playing at Michigan, um, 10 a.m. Mountain Time. The big noon kickoff. Obviously, CU Buffs legend Joel Klatt will be on the call. Um, so that'll be that'll be fun. And then later, the 130 slate is absolutely loaded. Obviously, you mentioned Tennessee, Alabama. I'm I'm really excited for this game because I want to see what this Tennessee team can really do against Alabama. I don't know if Bryce Young is going to play for Alabama. He's was he was uh, a game time decision last week. It seems like it's going to be the same. And you know, Tennessee quarterback Hendon Hooker has been really really good this season. And like I wrote in my college football insider page that's coming out for tomorrow, Tennessee football college football is just better when teams like Tennessee are playing well. Like it's going to be an insane atmosphere at Rocky Top tomorrow um and i, I think that's there, just, right yeah yeah or no they were there last week uh for uh i think they were th- they were there for florida a couple weeks ago oh so, okay okay yeah uh yeah so i think that's going to be a really good game I, and there's another really good pac-12 game i keep saying it every week i i really like the pac-12 this season i think there's a lot of good teams you know usc's going at utah tomorrow that's a 6 p.m mountain time kickoff and you know i think i've been Skeptical of this USC team for most of the year under Lincoln Riley first season, but they just keep impressing me every week. Um Caleb Williams didn't even play that well this week and they just last week and they still won. Uh, you know, the defense played really well and they have a transfer running back, Travis Dye from Oregon, who's really good as well. Uh and looking for an, another game, you know, Oklahoma State at TCU and at 130 is gonna be a really good game. I mean that TCU team that uh, is looking better and better. Yeah. For the way that first half went against CU in the opener, I don't know how that happened. Um, and then NC State at Syracuse is the other game to watch on um, the ranked matchup. Syracuse is five and L. That's their best start in about 35 years. So um, that that'll be that'll be a good game. I think the ACC is underrated as well. So that, those will, those will be my games to watch this week.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a, it's a good week. You can tell we're getting into that conference play with a lot of a lot of good matchups for sure.
1: Yeah, it's, it's tomorrow's the third Saturday in October already, so we're we're getting some good football, which Crazy. is which is great.
0: Crazy. All right, Tyler, thanks for joining us. Uh, we will uh, talk to you again next week to preview uh, the the weekend slate. Yep, thanks for having me. All right, thanks. I am joined by Denver Gazette sports editor Paul Clee to talk a little Broncos. Paul, how are we doing?
2: Doing great, Chris. We've uh, had a good week of Denver Gazette sports.
0: We definitely have. Uh, we have cranked out a lot of content that I think everybody should be proud of, for sure.
2: Yeah, and hopefully the readers are enjoying it. I mean, we've got uh, from DU hockey to Broncos to a ton of avalanche stuff to college football this weekend, man. Um, plus, I like the fact that we're ramping up our sports gambling. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My friends appreciate that. Um, hopefully the readers do too. Uh, my wife's comment about me
0: putting my name on gambling picks is why are you leaving yourself open to that? And I say, yeah. well, it, it'll be all right. If I start getting nasty emails, it'll be fine.
2: <laughs> yeah. As long as you keep your ATS record above 500, we're good.
0: Well, it's not on the best bets, but on the Broncos prop bets, I am eight and seven. So, um, I'm going to take, good. I'm going to take that. That's I did really, really good. I did. Those really,
2: are uh, plus... 400s and stuff like that
0: okay so let's uh let's go ahead and start talking about the broncos i don't want to rehash what happened eight days ago because i don't think anyone wants that um (laughs) our colleague george stoya and myself had a therapy session that uh that friday and i think i think we're ready to move on but i think the biggest question i have for you is what is this team what what is their identity what besides wanting people to turn off their tvs what
2: what what are they it's really interesting you bring that up because I'm working on our, our Broncos uh, magazine for Monday. Um, and what I'm writing about is looking back at the coaching search um, for some of it. And, you know, there are, there are a lot of very good options. This was a really good cycle that for looks sure. to have produced some just superb head coaches. Kevin O'Connell um, looks terrific. Uh, Brian Dable, who is you know, he was my choice. And I don't want to say that like I'm smart or something because I'm, I'm not. But uh, he's been terrific with the Giants. I mean, gosh, what are they, 4-1, and one, something like that? Yeah. Um, and and so what I'm getting at is the reason I like Dable, I've never met the guy. The only connection I have to him is one of his coordinators um, is someone I've known for a, while, a long time. And he said this he's a star. And I asked him why. And this was a year or two ago. And he said, because you know exactly what you're getting, you're going to have a really good defense and you're going to have one of the best running games in the NFL. And look at New York. Look at the Giants. Top 10 running game, top 10 defense. Yep. It's not flashy. It's not sexy. There's not innovation that you've seen in some of these hires. Um, analytics usage, he, he is big on that, but not to the extent some others are. When you watch the Giants game, and I've only watched one so far, for some reason, they played at different times than the Broncos, but I have been able to watch them. You know what you're getting? You're getting a bunch of Saquon Barkley, and you're getting a defense that hits you really hard. And their identity is very plain to see. Um, they don't try and hide anything. They're not going out of shotgun on a game-deciding play. Right. So um, I think that is the best question right there is what are the Broncos? they got to figure out what the identity is. Um, I'm, I am probably like a lot of people – um a little bit surprised that it has taken this long to figure out what it is. What were they doing in San Diego when they had all the receivers down there? You know, yeah. the, routes, the routes are off, the timing's off. Um, what were they doing in the offseason of OTAs when they're not doing one-on-one drills? What were they doing in the preseason when they didn't play their guys? Uh, it looks like just an operation that is not so much out of sync, but has never been in sync. Because they didn't necessarily work on actual football game coverage, so um, yeah, that's been a that's been the disheartening thing for me. And now you go to a place um, in LA that, um, while that's not a finely tuned machine, the quarterback is. Yeah. So this is a very interesting game. It's a big point spread for a for a divisional game in the AFC West. It's a full touchdown. I just saw. It's up to seven points. Um, turning point you know it could be a turning point if they're able to steal one like this
0: did it go up to seven points because when i looked at superbook this morning it was four and a half
2: oh is that right yeah Uh, i think it's uh, gone down i might have seen a a, a, old one then um that means money's coming in so um boy that's surprising to me um because that is an offense that can really score and what we've learned over the last six years with the chiefs when you play these robust offenses that put 30 on the board, you got to be able to keep up with them.
0: Yeah. And and none of, no one has seen the Broncos. I mean, the Broncos scored, you know, they had nine points or whatever it was on Thursday. And there's, I don't, I'm not sure the exact number they're averaging, but I think it's 16 or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, Hackett is supposed to be this offensive guy. You know, they were brought in Russ. Judy's supposed to be talented. Sutton's the only one in my mind that's performed on the offense. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, they just – their offense is so – it's just boring and it's just vanilla and, and it just doesn't seem like anything is ever happening except for one exciting play in Las Vegas to K.J. Hamler.
2: Yeah, they've been good on explosive plays and don't have the points to show for it. It's a bizarre dynamic right there. Um, it clogs up, as everybody know. I don't want to rehash all that, but it's – this isn't a situation where you can wait six or seven weeks to figure it out. no. You know, the the only reason the Chargers are three and two right now is because they're missing maybe their two best players, Slater and Bosa. Yeah. And otherwise, if if they're able to get Bosa back, which I think there's a possibility of that happening, um, they're not gonna slow down. And the Chiefs are not gonna slow down. So and the Raiders are, you know, I know you are what your record says you are, but that's a team that's what are they one and four? Yeah, they're better than that, man. They got players. So um, the Broncos got to figure this out quickly. And the issue is guys are dropping like flies.
0: Yeah. I was just going to bring that up going into this chargers game. Um, you know, I know you've mentioned to me a couple times that how much you love Herbert and with mm-hmm. good reason, the guy's amazing. I don't mm-hmm. know if Keenan Allen's playing. I haven't seen an update on that yet, but you know, the Broncos don't have Ronald Darby. Mm-hmm. Sounds like Justin Simmons, Justin Simmons is going to be back, but you know, Is this a game where that secondary is is going to be really tested?
2: Yeah, man. I I think that the most important player on the field is actually Kareem Jackson. Yeah. There was a play, I want to say it was two years ago, maybe three. Yeah, three, because we wouldn't have had fans two years ago. In L.A., um, that Kareem made one of the best plays since Super Bowl 50, chased down, I think it was Austin Eckler, going toward the goal line and prevents a touchdown, and the Broncos win in that soccer stadium where they were playing which was awesome, by the way. I wish they'd bring that back. That place was fantastic to watch an NFL game. It was like watching Valor against Creek. Vista Vista Ridge against, (laughs) you know, whoever Vista Ridge plays. It was, you're right in the action. I wish they'd bring the soccer stadium back, but that's a tangent. And this has got to be a thing, you know, Justin Simmons has been very outspoken about. He's in year six or seven or whatever it is. He's never played in a playoff game. This is the kind of game, those guys have to elevate their quarterback and give their struggling offense a chance. So, um, you know, they talked a big game before the season, Chris. They really oh, yeah. did. Oh, yeah. They talked a big game and they're not carrying a big stick right now.
0: Yeah, that's you know, all the the confidence that just came out of training camp and even in the preseason. Oh, we don't have to play these guys. We're in good shape. It's they don't seem like a confident football team at all to me.
2: No, it was arrogance. It, that was arrogance. It, that was um I remember at the Nuggets game when when the OC Outon and Hackett both yeah. were on the mic saying, um, we're gonna score a lot of points. Um it's it's gonna be awesome. It hasn't been awesome. And I think it's a great lesson for the next person who's here leading the Broncos. Um go quietly <laughs> yeah go quietly into the season do it before you say it
0: you know before you talked about the coaching search and I don't know I'm sure maybe it brought up that El- Elway was interviewed recently and talked about Kevin O'Connell saw that how man how close funny. they were on Kevin O'Connell mm-hmm. I remember when they were doing the search I read some stories on Kevin O'Connell and felt that he was perfect now I don't know you know they would have to wait till after the Super Bowl and all that maybe they didn't want to wait that long but I mean, I think people's patience is just over with Hackett, and they want to see it. And if they're not going to see it, he could be gone after one year.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's right now it's a one and done deal. It, that if if you had to take a you know speculate, I think it's a one and done deal because it's it's simply not there. And you combine that with the two hundred forty five million you just put on a quarterback. Yeah, um, these aren't things that new owners are going to look at favorably because that's not why they signed that check. So, um, it is. A, this has got to be a really important game for the Broncos to show up because if you go out and score ten points again on Monday Night Football again with an expensive quarterback and all these injuries, oh boy! Um, all of a sudden you're going to be six point underdogs against the Jags in London in a couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, and you know that was a game that I think a lot of people circled as a win, but it's you know I the jags look pretty decent so i don't think i don't know if there's any easy wins on the Broncos' schedule anymore you know george and i talked about that too last week like maybe the jets but they're frisky mm-hmm. um you mm-hmm. know you haven't beaten the raiders in 3 years whatever it's been mm-hmm. you haven't beaten the chiefs in you know 8 years or, whatever, or 7 years whatever it's been and you know they have baltimore they have tennessee like Oof. nothing's going to be easy
2: no, man, because Lamar Jackson's my favorite NFL player, and you don't want to go to Baltimore when it's cold to play that guy. Um, yeah. One thing I was tossing around this morning was it, it does seem as if the Broncos, and, and I don't know if it's specific to George Payton, but they do get enamored with a personality yeah, and an energy and a, a confidence. You know, it's with Russell Wilson. Um, there is a lot of confidence or there was there, there's a power of positive thinking there's with Hackett. He walks in the room and he's, you know, I want to hang out with that guy. He looks like a lot of fun at a party, but did you overlook, um, the basic football, what you need, you know, Belichick doesn't look like a lot of fun at a party. Brian Dable doesn't look like a lot of fun at a party. They might be, I've never partied with Bill Belichick, but
0: (laughs) We remember that Halloween photo of him and his <laughs> lady friend back in the day. He looked like that's, he had some fun.
2: That's right. Um, and so, yeah, I want to take that back in case I get a chance to hang out with Belichick. That would be kind of fun, probably. But they're, they're not flashy, big personality. You know, my dad said never trust anybody that smiles all the time. <laughs> and I, I think there's some truth to that, that maybe these guys get a little bit enamored with, um they get sold on the wrong things so that's something to keep an eye on i'm gonna write about it for monday maybe i can articulate it in a column a little bit better
0: all right so let's talk a little gambling um because that's what the people want like we talked about earlier uh broncos four and a half point dog uh their money line is plus 180 Hmm. and the over under is 45 and a half now we know you love the broncos and the under yeah so are you thinking that i I think that again that that was one of my prop bets i still think it's
2: under yeah, these are the Denver unders um, until proven under. Otherwise, I was looking at the Chargers. They're four and one ATS against you know against the spread. Uh, Broncos are one and four. So well, well you're five and zero
0: against the spread by picking games. We know
2: that, which but. is so crazy. <laughs> these games are impossible. So I don't want to jinx it. Um, <laughs> that would be like a life goal to go seventeen and zero, but we're not going to go there. that? There's no way that happens. But I don't know how you can go against that trend. I'm going to pick the chargers to cover on Monday. Um, it will be an under and, you know, it's one of those things where you look at it and go, all right, 45 points. How the heck are these guys getting to 45 points? A, they don't allow anything. They right. Get, you know, the Raiders the only thing, team to do that to them and they don't score anything. So how you get into 45? Um, if it's a shootout, you probably like the chargers in that scenario. Mike Williams is really good. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to take the Chargers this week. I haven't looked at the prop bets, but you can't. it's hard to argue with 4-1 ATS. I, I think the Chargers are going to be right there in the end in the AFC West.
0: I do, too. I think they're going to hit – I mean, the injuries, you know, they're just as injured as the Broncos. But, you know, uh, Herbert has looked great. They – you know, I guess their coach is the, sometimes their biggest question mark. What's right. Staley going to do?
2: Right, ex-Broncos staffer, Brandon Staley. Did um, You saw Herbert at Oregon. Did you see this coming?
0: No. You know, when he – they played CU on a really, really late night Friday, I remember, waiting for coverage of the game. <laughs> and, you know, he – you know, it's hard against those CU teams because they just weren't very good, and Oregon was at the top of his game. But, I mean, there's a reason why he fell in the draft a little bit. Like, I don't think people saw it. And clearly the, the Chargers saw something, and here we are.
2: Yeah. And that whole thing about um, it was like kind of a a belief in scouting circles that accuracy is a big tell it, when you make that leap. You've got to be a really accurate quarterback. That was a knock against Josh Allen, too. Yeah. It was a knock against Herbert. So, you know, maybe you just draft six, five laser rocket arm guys that can wing it 80 yards in the air now, because that's what Mahomes and Herbert and Allen can all do.
0: Yeah, and you don't worry if they were at 55% in college Christ. on the completion because, <laughs> you know, they'll clearly get better in the NFL because that's the way it's been going. All right, so we'll get you out of here on this. You said you're taking the Chargers to cover. Do you got a you score?
2: Woo, boy, 45. Um, let's go something like 24-13. I, I, think, I think the Broncos, I think they're going to have a hard time keeping up, you know, I I look back at that game 10 years ago, every Broncos fan remembers it. I'll never forget it. When Peyton's down 24, nothing, uh, Tony Carter plays. Oh yeah. You know, he has a fumble return for a touchdown. He has a pick. Chris Harris clenches it on a pick six. Um, Joel Drees. I think got it started with a 30 yard gain in the second half. Um, and that turned everything around, you know, and that was a Monday night game at the chargers it's pretty bizarre get this chris it was october 15th oh was it that close to 10 years ago yeah this is october seventeenth. 10 years later so you know god works in mysterious ways and maybe that'll that'll kick them in the pants and get them going again because those broncos i thought that was the best broncos team i'd ever seen over the next 11 games i thought it was better than the late 90s teams of course they lost to the ravens but um, top three offense, top five, top three defense. Uh, maybe this is what these Broncos—they can look back on that. There's your film, Coach Hackett. Show them that <laughs> game on Monday night. I
0: I will say that those 2012 Broncos—that that was the—that was the hardest playoff loss I think the fan in me, mm-hmm. because that team—it wasn't perfect, but man, it was just—they went to Baltimore and beat
2: down Baltimore. Yeah, and Chris then- had a pick six in that game too that was December 4th, I think. And so it was late in the season. Yeah. Um, They were rolling, man. I mean, Kansas city came in here, I think in the finale, it looked like the Broncos were hosting cherry Creek, you know, it just looked like a different game. So I'd have to say it it was either that or the Jags game. Yeah. For me, it was probably, I think I missed school the next day because I was so upset. That's a really long time ago. Uh, I think a lot of kids probably missed school the next day. Cause that, that was the Broncos hadn't won it yet, you know. Right. They hadn't won it yet, so that I don't know. Probably one and one a. All right, I don't
0: know who I'm going to pick. I, I was I was wanting mm-hmm. to pick Denver just to see maybe it, it is the 10 year anniversary and everything gets going again, but it's just really hard to pick them. So I I think I'm going to go Chargers too. I'm going to go 24. 19. Cause I just feel like the Broncos kick so many field goals now that they'll somehow have 19. I mean, you know, so that, you know, that's a five point. So there you go. There's the chargers covering there for me too.
2: Right on one touchdown, four field goals.
0: Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. All right. So let's, uh, let's plug some stuff we got going in the Denver Gazette. Um, yeah. so we had, uh, we had our avalanche special section. They're off and running. They've played two games. Kyle Fredrickson has been covering that great. Uh, we'll have our nuggets section on Wednesday mm-hmm. with, uh, Pretty much saying it's time for this team to win it all. Yep. And then what else we got this weekend?
2: Boy, uh, George and I are heading out to Southern California Sunday, both of us. And then for the game Monday, um, I'm going to take him to get some fish tacos. All right. And and then uh, what else do we have? Gosh, uh, we got CU and CSU both playing Saturday. Um, the abs are going, and Fredrickson's been great on that beat. Vinny's got really good stuff in that Nuggets section, man. Yep. That, yep. that runs Wednesday in the Denver Gazette, but we're going to stagger it, so people are going to see a ton of stuff coming from the Nuggets beat. Monday morning will be the first story. Yeah, so – and I do believe, man, I mean, not that this is a Nuggets podcast, but this is time. Because yep. Another reason it's time is because you look around the West, there's not a juggernaut in, in Lakerland. You know, No. That's, that's not scary. Um, the Clippers could be awesome, but they're still the Clippers – um, the Warriors are punching each other, and they haven't even started yet. That, that's a bad precedent before the season starts. Phoenix so, has owner drama. Yeah, Phoenix <laughs> has got all that stuff going on. So th- it has not opened up for the Nuggets like this probably since 2009. And I, I'm i writing this. So I shouldn't give it away, but I'll, I'll say it. This is the best Nuggets team since 2009. Yeah. This is that. the most complete roster they've had since – Chucky Atkins, <laughs> Anthony Carter, oh goodness, <laughs> Kenyon Martin, Birdman, uh, Johnson, <laughs> Juwan Howard was on that team. Can you believe that? The coach at Michigan. So this is as this is as complete a roster as the Nuggets have. Ramp up the pressure on Michael Malone. The injuries are heartbreak and they were a bummer and they stunk. They also provide tremendous job security. Yeah. And if the Nuggets are healthy like they say they are, it's go time.
0: Well, I think that's just the perfect way to end. It wasn't on the Broncos, but I think that's perfect um, because you're right. Um, it's just, I mean, there's no excuse this year. It, there really isn't. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Paul, thanks for joining us. Uh, it was good to talk Broncos and that little bit of Nuggets with you. And uh, we will talk again next week. Sounds good, Chris. Thank you. Right, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Denver Gazette podcast. Make sure to visit DenverGazette.com for all your local news on Broncos, Rockies, Avalanche, Nuggets, and much, much more. We'll talk to you next time.